We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. friends and foes what's going on nice to be here with my good friend the great dj zulo if you don't know dj stands for detail junkie defender of julius how's that working out for you pretty good right now it's a good time to be a defender of julius the doctor of jump shots himself (laughs) honored to be here with you we are here for another edition of x's and o's where we get into I don't know, the technical, the nitty gritty, the strategy behind what the New York Knickerbockers are up to. We're coming here after a phenomenal win over the Los Angeles Lakers, who since that win have just been crying about the schedule and their heavy road in the one game at home. I don't know if you got a chance to catch all the postgame comments, DJ, but it was a lot of whining. Yes, I did pick up on that. After... Let's not talk about how the Knicks had to play two games against two best teams in the East because of the in-season tournament. These guys are, are, are fetching, as we like to say. But it was a great, great win. Uh, it was one of, I think, the best wins of the season. Maybe, if not the best win of the season. Uh, just a really solid performance. Got the defense back in order. Um, great performances from your stars, from your, from your best role players. I don't know. Any thoughts before we dive into some questions from our friends? Any thoughts on the game, on where the Knicks stand, on, on what's going down? Yeah, well, first of all, I, got, I am battling a head cold at, mm. the, at the moment. So I figured, you know, if uh, Julius can bloody and batter his way through a game last night and pull out a win, I can <clears throat> come through today and, and, you know, put the effort in and get, the, get through this. But getting aside, it was probably my favorite win of the year. Um, and you mentioned the defense. I think that alone, you know, getting that back and we could talk uh you know specifics as we move along but the Hartenstein performance I mean it was I watched it again this morning it was as good a defensive performance as you're probably gonna you know, see beyond like your standard like out of bios and go bears like your elite of elite centers I mean he was as good as you're gonna get beyond those guys 
just a phenomenal performance and just a continuing um, last couple of years. Whenever you think this team is going to you know, falter or maybe not have it in them to pull a game out, they just continue to fight their way through. And I know that is not your X's and O's analysis, but I feel like that has to be acknowledged. The fight, the effort uh, starts with the coach. It starts with you know your best players. You, you, had, you posted about Julius being a warrior. And I know he gets flack from a lot of people, me included, about some defensive lapses and effort issues. But you can't say enough about you know what he does at his size and his the minutes load that he he puts out there and the the what this team asks of him on the offensive end, and of course Jalen and all the ancillary pieces. So just a fun game to watch, uh, and and just uh, as you said, happy that the defense is back, showing that they could be a competent group, and the offense is I think really good, and we have a really good ball club, and we can as we move along talk more about that. Yeah, and I'm not sure I, I wanted to address this, you know, just to get us started on the X's and O's front, because uh, mm. I don't know if we'll get a question about it. And if we do, we can we can talk more about it. But I did want to note a couple of things as I watched the film back today. And for those waiting, I am hoping to get a next film thread out. It might be tomorrow. Um, just a, a busy day today, but I'm working on it. And I did rewatch the game today when I had the chance. One thing that jumped out to me immediately was the Knicks got very conservative in coverage again. It was pretty much dropped the whole way. And I, I, I think that was a really smart adjustment to play your centers and drop, I heart and drop. You, you, you change the defensive personnel. You don't have Mitch on the back line, number one. You, you swap out Grimes for DDV, number two. It's just asking a lot of everybody behind, and then that's Jalen and Julius, really, to kind of, and RJ, to make up for an aggressive scheme um, where I heart's jumping out on the ball handler. And I think it was also personnel based. And I think there's what to talk about in terms of like how comfortable the Knicks are against an offense like LA, meaning the Lakers, which is, I would say, pretty vanilla, pretty standard pick and roll attacks and post up some ISOs. There's a comfort there. And just going back to that drop scheme, being conservative, letting iHeart protect the rim, not relying as much on your back end rotations, just keeping it simple for, a, for, again, a downgrade of personnel on the defensive end, especially in the starting lineup, I thought was a really smart adjustment. I think Tibbs kind of said to himself, let's just go back to basics. Let's go back to the standard scheme. Let's, let's make sure we're cleaning up what we need to do before we start expanding out. And I've been very praiseworthy of Tibbs and the Knicks for, for experimenting a bit in more aggressive coverages. I think that'll, that'll come in handy down the line against certain teams when they want to go to it. They can mix it up. Uh, having that experience will be valuable. But I just thought for the way the defense was playing to kind of rein it all in and say, let's go back to the basic shell scheme that we run well, that we know we can run well. I thought that was a really, really smart adjustment. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think there's, uh, you hit on uh, a couple of things. I just want to echo them. I think it was, I think you are comfortable playing that scheme against the Lakers. You're not, you're not really, it's just not a team that's going to strike fear in you. Other than, you know, D'Angelo Russell is maybe your one guy that you're worried about. Like, but RJ, I thought did a really good job of just getting over screens and, yeah. and, and rear contesting. I thought his defense overall was really strong. So I think there's trust there. And then listen, Mike, the one worry I've had with Hartenstein, and maybe it's unfair, but it's just something I'm just at least wary about is, you know, how, wh- are you going to extend him too far in terms of the minutes and considering the effort level he plays with? So if you are going to like back out, back down on some of the what, what he is going to be 
um, asked to do, I mm. think that's going to preserve him a little bit because they are really thin right now at the center spot. I mean, it is, I think that is something that, you know, it was a good road trip, but I think we have to look at the center rotation and be worried about where it is right now. To be quite frank, I don't think right now Sims is, I mean, maybe you can consider him against your, your standard your backup rotation and he can be okay in that role. I don't necessarily think they brought in Taj to play. Um, I think he is an emergency guy, at, you know, at this point. So we have to worry about that. And, and if part of that is going to be asking less of Hartenstein in terms of like, you know, what he is going to do in the pick and roll uh, coverage, I think that's a smart move. Um, Lakers are obviously a team that you can maybe get away with that uh, a little more versus a team with a more dynamic ball handler where you're going to have to play more at the level. But I mean, Tibbs is, you know, he's, as you mentioned, he's been more aggressive in coverages. He is continuing uh, to be more, you know, adept at adjusting things. And that Mm -hmm. was one of them. And, you know, even though it's going back to what he may be most comfortable with, it's an adjustment nonetheless. And one that obviously was, you know, worked really well for them. Absolutely. Yeah. You saw Austin Reeves got a couple, you know, when you play in drop coverage, the risk is you, you get those threes off of the initial screen. You saw Austin Reeves get a look. He made at least one. I know he got a floater against the drop. I think he missed a couple yeah. also. That was like quickly really. And that was like early on. I think it was like almost like. Yeah, quickly got hit a couple times in a row yeah, there. He got yeah. stuck there yeah. a couple of times. And that was like, that's the issue. And he's usually pretty good at, yep. you know, getting over the top of those and and getting a good contest. So I don't necessarily, but it was something that jumped out. Like you walked into a floater and then he had a pull up three and pretty close. Um you know, a pretty close sequence there. So that, but that's something you're going to give up. That's something you're going to give up. And I just thought like, I I really, I really was pleased with the way they kind of kept it simple against the team that I think you can afford to do. So it's it's obviously a paint heavy team. It's not a very good shooting team. So there's, um, there were reasons to do it personnel wise, but I also think it was like an intentional adjustment in terms of where the New York Knicks defense was. I think it, Really worked out well. All right, well, let's get to some questions. I know we got a few out there. We thank everybody for being here, just watching, both live and who will watch later. Also, thank anyone who submitted questions. We're, we're excited to get to it. So let's get going. All right, Daniel. What's up, Daniel? The non-Hartenstein minutes seem very problematic in the wake of Robinson's injury. Ah, GJ just talked about that. Could yeah. the Knicks benefit from going full offense and playing Randall at the five? <laughs> When Hartenstein is off the floor. Obi Toppin's not walking through that door. (laughs) What do you think? What do you think, DJ? I mean, could they benefit? I mean, there's probably a a world now where they would be so good offensively with how Julius is playing that you can, it could work, but there's zero indication that is something this coach is going (laughs) to go to. I mean, the Taj was signed for a reason. I mean, there is, and he played, (laughs) against the Lakers. He played in that basketball game. Uh, Apparently was limping around after the game. So that's not a good sign. I don't know how many minutes he (laughs) is playing. He's like 56 years old. (laughs) I know. Um, But listen, it's, it's, it's the big, to me in the rotation right now, a team that, you know, there's probably the, the, the too many guys issue, but there's just not, they don't have enough bodies right now at the center spot that is, you know, competent and, um, yeah, healthy. So it's a, it's a, it's a big issue. They're not going to go to Randall at the five. Um, I don't, if they do listen, I, he has been terrible playing, you know, you put him in, you've talked about this plenty of times. I mean, you put Julius in a drop and it is an absolute, like you're gifting, um, easy, short, mid range shots. It is, it's just a, it's not going to work. Um, you hope you get, you, you make enough off that on the offensive end to, to balance it. But 
it doesn't seem like that is in the cards right now. So you have to hope, you know, at least for me, you start Hartenstein. I think that has to happen. And then, you know, assuming Sims isn't, you know, going to come back in a day or two or game or two, maybe it's not a big injury, his ankle. Um, has, there been any, has there been any reporting, Andrew? Maybe you can wait. I haven't seen. I anything. think he is questionable for. Uh, oh, wow. So he's already questionable. OK, I didn't tomorrow, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Andrew can uh, check me on that. But I think that he's questionable. No, that, that's correct. He's questionable for tomorrow and currently in a walking boot. All right. Well, that's I mean, I guess they are conservative with these walking boots. I always hear that. I'm like, all right, that's he's not playing tomorrow if he's in a walking boot today. But I think you can maybe you can maybe you can get 10 to 15 minutes out of Sims and a backup role and it can it can work. I just think right now against NBA starters, it's just not he's not there right now. I don't know if he'll ever get there. We can, that's not for this show, um, but it's a it's a concern. It's a, probably my biggest worry right now um, for this team is how they're going to figure out a way to get themselves to when Mitch comes back, keeping Harnstein healthy, keeping him playing well. And as you said, you know, maybe that's a, you know, backing off on some of the coverages, allowing Hartenstein to, to maybe not give as much effort on those uh, defensive end, but he's, he, he's a max effort guy. So that is going to be something that that's up to the coach to, to figure out, but it's a concern. I can't deny. I think it's, I think Daniel puts it really well. It's very problematic right now, you know, where they're going when Hartenstein is not in the game. Yeah. You know, I think with Sims, I'm not, I, you know, I, I don't think it's worked out against starters. Certainly I, I would, I, you know, it's really tough. He hasn't played all year. Um, and you threw him into a starters role and you're playing against first units and really good ones. I mean, they've been, they, the strength of schedule has, mm-hmm. has been unfortunate for Sims trying to get himself back in. Like we didn't face any Charlottes or Washingtons or like kind of really standard teams with iffy centers that he could kind of get comfortable and, he just got thrown into the fire. It's like, hey, can you guard James Harden pick and rolls 30 times? That's crazy. Uh, and so I cut him some slack. I, 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 and, and I think I've seen enough from him understanding that he's, that he's got some flaws. I think he's a rotation big or close to it. I think you can get away with it. I think the wise move would certainly be to put him on the bench and let him try to ease his way back into the flow of the season. It's, you know, Last year, he got minutes much quicker. Uh, Mitch went down pretty early in the season, if I recall, and it was just easier, I think, for him to adjust. This is a lot. This is just asking a lot of a young guy who did, just got no time. So I am not giving up on Sims. I would send him to the second unit. Um, that's number one. If he's unhealthy for whatever amount of time, I would start try Taj on the second unit as well. Um, and I, I, again, he's really old and that first game back is not going to go well. He's been out of the league, literally as much as you can try to stay in game shape is never going to be the same as an NBA game. See what you have left. Maybe there's something there. I don't know if there is as to Julius on the five at the five to DJ's point. It's not going to happen because of the coach. We can have a different discussion as to whether it should happen, whether there should be some version of this team that plays five out in that way. I think the answer is probably yes, but what I will say in defense is the team is small. Like it's one thing to play Randall at the five if you have a bunch of big wings that can help rebound, protect the rim, rotate behind. If you get switchy, like at least you have length at several positions. Like this team is like all six five and under, other than RJ, who sometimes plays somewhat big and mostly times doesn't like we saw what LeBron did to him twice last night and either both times he got in the post. So it's complicated. I don't know. Like Randall's, I think you'd have to be switchy. 
if you put Randall at the five, because that's Randall's. He's better at that than he is at like drop or protecting the rim. But it's just a lot of small guys around that to compensate. So I worry about that configuration on this team, um, just because of how small they are. Now you're playing Brooklyn next. Brooklyn's an interesting team. They do play. They have been playing Daron Sharp as the backup five, so they have been playing fives. I think pretty much throughout uh, at least recent games, but they can theoretically certainly go small and play, you know, five wings. They do have the, the wing size to do that. Um, and if they do, it'll be interesting to see if Tibbs would pivot to Randall at the five, if they go with like a Finney Smith at center kind of lineup or something like that. There you could possibly see it. Um, but against any real five, and, and Daron Sharp, for example, is a beast of a rebounder. So you actually want to get, you want to have a five on the floor. Um, I would, I would doubt it. I don't think he's going to go to it, but just interesting to think about personnel wise, Brooklyn might be a team that you could do it against and get away with it. Tibbs response will always be, then we're playing into their hands. They're good at that. We're not good at that. And we need to do our thing with our, with our rebounding and cleaning up the boards. This has been a discussion for three years now Uh, to DJ's point. It's all theoretical. Randall's not going to play the five unless they're down 20 and Tibbs is quote searching. So thanks for the question, Daniel. Yes, sir. You got this one, DJ. Yes. Jeff Ross, 22. Thank you so much for that donation. Really appreciate that. Uh, with Randall playing at this high in offensive level, just flipping his and RJ's rotation so that one of him, Brunson, is on the court at all times uh, makes sense. Playing them mostly together feels uh, limiting. Mm. Um, Benji, why don't you go ahead and take that? <laughs> Keep this off. Uh, man, that's an interesting question. That's a really, really good question. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is if you want RJ to have more on-ball reps, this is not the way to do that. Um, Like RJ does get to kind of spread his wings a bit with the second unit and run more pick and roll um, and be featured. And that's kind of been the idea, I think, behind having him there. But that's not to say that it has to be that way. And like, has RJ really earned that so far? You know, it's been uneven, I would say. Uh, what are the downsides? I mean, I think Randall would bristle at the idea of being taken out as early as RJ's taken out. I don't know if that would go over well. Um, that's not to say that's necessarily a reason not to do it. I'm just that that's a likely result is, is Randall not being thrilled with the new rotation here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then look, RJ gets in the game, you know, it's kind of a, he's in a weird place, RJ, because sometimes he won't come back in after he gets taken out the second time. So he comes back in with the second unit and then depending on how he plays, he's removed. Then he may never come back at the end of the quarter. Randall's going to have to come back. And then like, what does the minute load look like? I mean, there are ways to configure it so that it works, but if it's exactly kind of an RJ for Randall swap, I'd be worried about how those minutes shake out. It's an interesting suggestion. I get it. I don't know, DJ, any, any additional thoughts? I'm kind of, I'm working through it. Yeah, I think that RJ with the second unit, it's look, it's not been amazing uh, efficiency. And um, but I will say, if you have RJ on your roster, you have to figure out a way to provide him some opportunities. And it's, you know, they usually run like a play or two early in the game for him uh, with the starters. That's kind of it. And then it's there are games sometimes when, you know, Ju- uh, Jalen and Julius are, are really you know, trying to get theirs and it's typically when they're not playing their best, but it does happen. And RJ is sort of like an afterthought in a way that is not conducive to him getting any sort of rhythm. So I think he needs 
if he's going to be on your team and he's going to be in your rotation, I think he is best suited to play with that second unit. You know, I don't necessarily love Julius as much. I'm trying to think this through. Like, is, is that how, is that taking advantage of like Julius's strengths right now? Um, You know, he's playing basically the whole first quarter. Um, And I don't know if I love him coming back in with just the bench unit. Um, because I kind of like how they have their own certain identity mm. that is disrupted. If you put in, you know, Julius is now put into that, you know, mix, you're playing completely different. It's just a different outlook. And he is obviously going to be the fulcrum and that's going to slow down kind of what they yes. do. The identity is, is going to be uh, changed. So that uh, too is like part you know, what I would be wary about. Um, and I just think, you know, you need it. I think RJ gets, you know, when he gets going, it's usually uh, more times than not with the, that second unit, you know, with quickly, I think they, they play off each other. Well, I, I just, I, I think that's, that makes the most sense right now. Um, yeah. Sort of and, keeping and, things and, what it is, where it is. Yeah. And our friend, our good friend XJ, uh, who's, who's, who's the man um, is someone who is very adamant about this idea that Julius with the bench and they did it last night because they were, theoretically matching Julius's minutes to LeBron, although when LeBron went out a couple times, Julius did not go out. So it just ended up being 43 (laughs) minutes of Julius, but that was the theoretical idea. He definitely never played when, he definitely never sat when LeBron was in. That was the idea. Um, So you found, you had a couple times where Julius played with the bench and it definitely, look, for three years now, the bench has come in and changed the pace. And that has been so effective for this team, which, you know, the first unit with Randall is deliberate and slow and physical and that's kind of the identity and then it quickly comes in and boom it's and it used to be rose and now it's josh hart and like the pace just picks up immediately and and they run away with games that way often so that's a great point and one i should have thought of right away is that randall with the second unit disrupts that flow in a big way all of a sudden quickly he's not running as free because he's trying to enter the ball to the post it's just a very different vibe when randall's in the game and i i don't think that would be wise to change the second unit's identity to that extent. That's a great point. And the last thing I'll say on it, I think it's also intentional to have when Julius is out, so that's your only natural quote-unquote four, is you have Hart and RJ out there who are the closest wings you have to fours. And it's, again, keeping some size in the game. Uh, Obviously, this is a big focus for Tibbs, but I think since to some extent, rightfully so, like those, those lineups do skew very small. And when you have Hart and RJ in there, at least you're, you're starting to get some collective size on the floor. So maybe another, another factor that is considered. Chris Carter. Thank you for the contribution, Chris. Look at us, DJ. We're getting contributions now. <laughs> Liftoff X's and O's. Chris Carter. Thank you, sir, for the contribution. It means a lot. How does Dr. Jump shot reconcile? Yes catching on how does dr jump shot reconcile rj's free throw percentage with his underwhelming field goal percentage this is a terrific question dj dr jump shot hit it what do you got yeah well i i um i think andrew posted today regarding rj's free throw percentage uh being in the you know mid to upper 80s and i i just quote tweeted basically saying you know rj just stay the course because i think the changes that he made um, and Prez over the Strickland was way on top of this during the offseason. Um, it's more of a one motion, cleaner release. I think it looks much better from the free throw line. I think that obviously, you know, you don't 
go from 74% to, you know, add on 10 to 15% of, uh, of, of a percentage without have without this being real at this point, you know, the sample size, it feels large enough to, to say, this is a real jump he's made in the free throw department. So the question is like, why is he not carrying that over? Um, so let's say the three point uh, line, which he was obviously before the migraine, um, has really cratered <sighs> since, um, it's going to be like BCE. <laughs> Before migraine. Before migraine. Yeah, right. It's gonna be like the it's gonna be like the the demarcation point of his career. I feel we anyway. need yeah, we need like uh, we need like a like a uh, one of those, what do you call that? When you have like the interviews of everyone, um big article, it's like a feature like a like a big yeah, like a fe- I'm thinking the I can't think of the uh the word, but it, yeah, a big feature on like what actually like went down, what was his <laughs> ailment, the whole like being in gyms with loud music and bright lights and that whole I mean Listen, I don't know what went on there, but the fact is his shooting from three has gone way down. And, you know, I don't have like a clean answer for this other than to say that is going to, you know, you have guys running at you, your feet maybe are not going to be as you're, you're not going to be quite as set. So maybe if you are, you know, instituting a new mechanical uh, release in a game action flowing, um, you know, running to a spot in transition, um, off some movement that is going to be a tougher way to sort of like align yourself and, and kind of carry those mechanics over where obviously it's going to be much easier at the free throw line. So I think the free throw percentage, and I know there are some studies on like, you know, whether or not that is your true indication of like how good a shooter you are. I don't necessarily know how, how that carries over in like a, you know, at this stage of a career, when you have a jump like this on the free throw line, if that is as, you know, clean a um, indication that you're going to be a good three point shooter. But uh, if I'm the Knicks and I'm RJ and I'm his trainer and I'm, you know, the, the folks that you know influence him um, outside of the Knicks, I would just say to stay the course. I feel, I feel like there's been the free throw percentage is strong enough to say, all right, we're getting good results from there. That is a theory of the case. Let's keep going. And let's hope that whatever is happening outside the free throw line can be fixed with more repetition. Um, you know, I, I feel like that needs to sort of be the mindset because RJ is a guy that's changed his form three or four times since his Duke days. And that is a lot for a guy that is 23 years old to do that. So to me, stay the course, continue doing what you're doing. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is he is, He's making shots when he's open in a at a reasonable clip. It's when he is guarded where the mechanics get all out of whack. His his align. If you watch his feet when he's guarded, it's you know he never lands in the same spot ever. Um, but when he has time to sort of set himself, especially from the corners, um, the right corner specifically, it can look pretty good. And he's made a pretty decent percentage of his uh, open threes. But to me, the free throw percentage is you know real and something that I think you you need to sort of like. If you're going to support this player, you need to continue to be in his ear. Like, all right, your whatever change we made is working in this specific area that matters a lot. So continue doing uh, everything that you're doing, and hopefully that translates uh, to other areas of shooting. Because I feel like you there's probably enough of a sample size to say the free throw is going to uh, continue at this sort of this level. Maybe not 85, percent but maybe in the 80s, you know, somewhere low 80s. And I think that's that's an important number for him to be at. And I, th- I feel like there's enough there to continue moving in this direction of like staying the course. Yeah. Look, I, he's still shooting. Hold on. Let me double check this. Cause I just checked it today. 
He's still shooting 43% on corner threes. He's at 29% on non-corner threes. That gives you 30. And the problem is that if you look at kind of the breakdown of what shots he's actually taking, he's taking 18% of his shots are non-corner threes and 12% are corner threes. And look, like it often is with RJ, I, I think some of it is, it's not just like how the shot is progressing. It's like shot selection. And there have been too many of uh, of late in the last week. I can think of several shots, including a couple of off the dribble ones, where it's like that's just not it's not there. Like we're X amount of years in now, and you're not going to be an off the dribble three point shooter. Like in rare instances, if if guys go super far under, and you feel like I get it, but the shot selection is going to impact the percentage. He's still shooting really well from the corners. Like, crush that. Keep going. Open in the corner, shoot the basketball every time. I never want him hesitating on a corner three. Above the break, it's got to be really open, to your point. It's got to be open. Otherwise, pass it up. Move it. Like, it's like to me, almost always, it's process with RJ. Like, the, the, the understanding limitations, because he's a limited player, there are things he's not great at, and he's never going to be great at. He's not a great athlete. He's not a great shooter. Those things aren't going to yeah. change. Like, yeah. But you can get better by changing your process. And that, to me, is the key. And I thought against, who was it? Against Phoenix, it was lovely. Loved his process. Against LA, I, I, kinda, I mostly liked his process. He's, you know what? He's gotten a lot better at counters off the dribble transition moves euros using his two steps like stuff he's gotten a lot better at with the shooting and but and holy crap credit to the dude for becoming a really good free throw shooter he looks automatic that's crazy that's amazing improvement and yes i do think it'll translate to the shooting but the right shooting the right shots like yep that's to me the biggest thing and always the biggest thing with rj let me ask you a technical question because what i see mm. the change other than I do think it's he's changed the motion a bit. It's much more left side dominant, right? Yeah. No, really right off his left shoulder. Yeah. He used to yeah. kind of bring it towards the middle of his body. And now yep. from the free throw line and from the three, it's like it keeps the ball on the left side. I think that's really interesting, but it seems to be working. Certainly from the foul yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. I so you really see it in the the right corner. When you have that camera angle, you can the ball is it's very dramatic, the placement. Yeah. And I feel like there's like an alignment issue, you know, thing that they're trying to 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 even out and and make it cleaner. And I, I feel like generally when his feet are set and he's open, I mean, that's why the corner uh, shooting is has, has been there. And that's why the free throw percentage is, is there. But I mean, you, you mentioned like the off the triple stuff. I mean, it's not even just the three point shooting. I mean, synergy has him eight for 31 on off the dribble twos. So those are, I mean, listen, a lot of those are late in the clock and he's got to sort of make something out of nothing. And, it usually results in like a really, you know, poor step back from like 20 feet. But that is a, that would concern me a little, you know, I mean, it concerns me a lot. And those are the shots where you just, you know, you, what you take away the, the ones where you sort of like has to shoot it based on a short clock and you, and you, you take those shots away from your shot die. I mean, this is sort of like the RJ experience where it's, it's not, the shots he's taking as you know, it's, it's like the shots that he can, he's passing up and, and the ones, you know, taking the inefficient shots off the table, which seemed to be something he was trending in being a much more 
adept at doing, but it's been a hit or miss um, of late. It's the problem. I, you know, it's like, I, I, I look back at like, all right, what he, what was he in college? And these are the same issues. Yeah. He just was like so no, much so stronger. Like, this yeah. is who he is, man. And, yeah. and that's, that, that, that's being who you are. doesn't mean you can't get better. It's just how you get better. And like, it, it, it's, it's decision-making and it's understanding who you are. And it's, I think it's hard for a young guy um, to kind of accept some things about yourself and then find other ways to be effective. He made such a simple play last night because, and I said his process was good last night. I forgot his first half process was horrendous. His second half was pretty good. His first half was horrible. Um, He made one simple play in the second half where he got a post touch, took one dribble in, quick dig, kicked it out to Grimes, made a three. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. it is amazing because he does attract attention in the paint because he does get into the paint because he is strong as hell because he has developed certain things. He gets to the line. Like, he's dangerous in there, but you have to leverage it in the right way. One simple dribble into the paint and a kick out to your shooter. Like, that stuff, man. I know this is not the question Chris asked, but it's good. We, we, we have to get out of RJ thoughts. Thank you, Chris. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With basketball season fully underway, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. This is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, take Jalen Brunson over in points or Julius Randle over in rebounds and combine it with two NFL picks like Lamar Jackson over in rushing yards or Zach Wilson over in interceptions. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. What do we got next? 
Whoa. All right. That is a lot of red. Whoa. That's that a lot of zeros. Spencer hit the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer, thanks, bud. Holy cow. Wow. That's extraordinarily generous. Thank you so much. Wow. <laughs> Andrew Ward warned rise. us DJ, that we were not going to be ready for the super chat. We're that was trending up, DJ. Yes. Look at us. Hit it, man. Take All Spencer's right. generous Spencer, donation. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. As just awesome. Uh, moving forward, do you think Hartenstein might be a better option than Mitch as a starting center since Hartenstein has more offensive versatility and isn't injured as often? Or is Mitch's defense and rebounding too important? Um, so I took the first one. Um, I took the last one first. So why don't you and that is I, a $100 question. If I ever saw one, <laughs> yes, man, um, go ahead, I, Benji. What no, do you, what do you man, say to this? Spencer, my hero. I was just thinking about this question. Um, because I was going to focus a lot real on quick, time. real quick, Benji. Oh, just, yeah. There's a part, there's a part two to it. He wants to clarify. This is like if Mitch was off the team completely. Yeah. Yeah. I got him. I got him. Out. Okay. That's where clarifying. I was going with it. Thank you. Yeah. He deserves, he could clarify a bunch of times if he wants. Hundred percent agree. Spencer, yes. you want to come on live, Spencer? Um, <laughs> um, man, yeah. <clears throat> DJ put out. Well, I'll let TJ speak to this, but he put out a really important tweet um, today that that I'll let him speak to. But man, there are things that Hartenstein does that provides versatility and space to this offense that is needed, and it it makes a huge difference. I think, especially the Julius which I'll let DJ speak to, but to everybody. And not that he's shooting threes because he's not. He was the, the stretch center that was promised, but he is not that. Um, but what he does is he, he is a really intelligent mover uh, and cutter. And he's at the high post and he's in the corners and he's cutting in from the corners and he's screening and he's screening again and he's, in, and he's pin in screening and he just does a lot of stuff while he's out there. Whereas Mitch... There are reasons for this. Mitch is mostly, if he's not screening, he's going to be in the dunker spot all the time. And that clogs your offense a lot. Now, you get a lot of offensive rebounds that way. <laughs> Mitch is a, the best in the world at it. But what the space that Hartenstein affords this offense um, should not be discounted. Now, Hartenstein's a free agent after this year. Mitch is not. So what that means and, and, and how they go about such a, if they wanted to make that move, it's not so simple from a, from a contract, from a contractual standpoint. Now, before I get carried away from one our, uh, Hartenstein game, Hartenstein is not perfect. <laughs> Hartenstein, um, uh, Mitch is just a more athletic player. And I think, although, I would say Hartenstein's a comparable rim protector when it comes to just protecting the rim, if not better than Mitch, because the percentage against Hartenstein is year after year, very, very bad. Like he's a really good standstill jumping rim protector. Mitch's deterrence, just being the force that he is around the floor on defense, I think is on another level. And there's a reason we were talking about him in all defensive conversations this season. I don't think Hartenstein's that. I wonder if Hartenstein gets exposed the more minutes he plays, the more you put him out there, the more he gets scouted as opposed to being more of a, of an energy bench guy that he is now. But I, so I, I'm not ready to go there yet. I want to see more. We're going to have the opportunity to see more, right? This is going to be, yeah. I think he's going to get into the starting lineup. And I think we're going to see more of Hartenstein and what he can do. I do believe that the Knicks are looking at this and thinking about this 
And what Hartenstein affords you on the offensive end that Mitch does not is a thing. It is real and it matters. I'll let DJ speak to it a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I mean, the, the tweet was the all of, you know, some of the important Randall efficiency numbers affect a field goal, um, rim percentage, uh, field goal percentage and rim frequency. They're all higher in a, a, a significant manner when he's playing with Hartenstein versus Mitch. And to me, the reason why I, this sort of like popped into my head to sort of look into was that this is a different Julius this year. And it's, we've talked about sort of the shots he's taking uh, this year compared to last year. It is a vastly different player. He's not taking eight threes a game. And it's his three-point percentage, if, if I had to guess, is probably trending on the, you know, down over the past uh, few weeks, at least in the, the attempts uh, department. That means you're not, you're going to have a tougher spacing concern with Mitch on the floor if, if this is the Julius that he's going to be playing with. And that is just, you know, I, feel, I felt like when, you know, the amount of threes Julius was taking last year, it's sort of like, even though the spacing wasn't great and, you know, you wanted Julius a bit more downhill and, and having a little more opportunity to get to the rim, I felt like he, he had become such a volume shooter and a decent percentage guy that it, it, it was like a, a, a strong enough trade-off to where like this made sense to go forward with. But if he's going to be a guy that is going to just attack the paint in a way that he is not since he has become a, a Nick and in a, in a way that is at times violent and, and just overly physical and skillful with the passing and all that. And you see is such a draw in terms of like how the defense treats him when he gets in there. The word is there beastful. Is, he's beastful. It, he is so that he is beastful. He is <laughs> playing in a way that, that, you know, it was like that. I've talked about this game a dozen times, but the game five where he got hurt against Cleveland, where in that first half and then in the second half until he got hurt, we decided that he was going through the chest of Mobley on every play and he had no chance to defend him. It was like, it, it almost feels like that was a, a wake up call to him. Like, all right, I have this in me to do this. And listen, the dump off uh, uh, attempts to Mitch, they can work at times, but you know, there's a catching of the ball issue where Julius, he doesn't have the best touch on those passes <laughs> and Mitch doesn't have the best hands in those. <laughs> so it's not really the, you know, the optimum pairing in terms of like taking advantage of Mitch at the dunker spot, cutting to the rim and Julius is uh, in the paint. Um, so that is something that, you know, listen, the sample size is probably small enough to where, you know, you can maybe say this is not so relevant to, to worry about, but it's something that I'm going to just keep an eye on as we move forward. Um, the other thing that, that Hartenstein does in terms of like providing spacing is that the Knicks can throw him in the opposite corner, throw him the ball. And yes, he's not going to be guarded out there, but he can catch the ball and go right into a DHO. Mm. That one yesterday with quickly where it was like, he had that, like, I don't know if he went between the legs, but it was like a little yeah, bit. I thought he did initially too, but I'd look to Phil. He didn't, he didn't, I know. he just kind of, he's kind of slipped it behind him. Like right. That. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't quite the C web, but it was close enough. And it was a quickly. And um, the MB these days who's doing it to Max. Yeah, he does it, I mean, all the time. Yeah, yeah. That, that is speaking of that. That is a duo that is just, I don't know how you guard them, but it's the next podcast. So we'll stick with them. Uh, <laughs> listen, that, and that was a really cool play and something where, you know, Mitch, you know, he doesn't have that dexterity passing ability to do that. No, um, the heat do it all the time with the at, at a bio. They'll put him in that corner. Um, you know, it's yes. like you have all that freedom. And then if you're coming off that DHO, 
the help is obviously going to be in the paint because they're not guarding uh, Bam out there or whoever, whatever center you're throwing in that spot. It's an it's an area actually. I think they they could use Sims in that role maybe a little. They bit. did last year. Sims did a little bit of that. A little last bit. Year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's a way to maybe take advantage of the fact that he's not going to be guarding that spot. But um, you know, there's just certain things that you touched on. You talked about. I mean, Hartenstein just has that his movement. It's it's shortcuts, but it's like he he finds these little cracks in the defense to be like a really good outlet when things get a little muddied, and he has to just catch that ball and you know maybe reset and find a shooter. But um, he's just a really effective offensive player, and the floater game is really kind of dried up for him. And he's yeah, I was literally about to see. You read my mind. It's yeah. abandoned him because that used to be a real big part of his game, and it's gone. And I and yeah. and but theoretically could be another part of an element that he provides. Right. Exactly. So I don't know if that's like purposeful. Um, if he's just decided that it's not a shot that he's comfortable taking, uh, but I would like the Knicks to never pass the ball to their centers. So, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, every time Jalen uh, does, I do think of you when he hits, hits a uh, I heart on a, a, a little, uh, he had, one, or, had one last night. What do you know? Julius cutting to, to the rim for a, for a bucket. Yeah. And like, yeah, they trap Jalen and I get it. It's tough for Jalen cause he's very small. Mm-hmm. Got to find a way that, and they try to short it by getting an outlet for him. But he's got. If you can hit iHeart directly, you don't take advantage of it. If you well. can hit iHeart directly yeah. on that blitz, man, you're breaking down the defense. It's over. Like he's gonna find an open shot for somebody. Yeah. Uh, he's just got to figure out. And there's something to work on. You know, up fakes, bounce passes, lobbing it over the top. Whatever you got to do, that's gonna be a big part. You know, and, and to, to kind of really take advantage of what iHeart provides is you got to find him. Yep, and he's good enough to where he can put the ball on the floor and 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 finish. You know, it's I, I don't I trust him. You know, putting the ball on the floor and and and, and making a move in a way that's you know I, I feel like is a you know it, it'll work out for him versus you know Mitch obviously is going to have to be a catch and and finish guy with space around him. But it's a you know it's definitely a worthy thing to consider. You know what this offense looks like and and what this uh, you know if he can provide enough on the defensive end, but you know. It's he's just a really good center, and I I hope the Knicks figure out a way to bring him back um, next year with Mitch and um, have this two headed center because I think you need you need a really good backup with Mitch and obviously with the injury concerns and and all that and there's just not a lot of guys at Hartenstein's level that provide that value at his whatever number he's going to have. I'm you know I'm sure it's going to be a reasonable number. It's going to he's going to get a raise, but it's not going to be an. I I don't think the Knicks are going to look at whatever he's going to be. Um, looking for as you know, I don't think they're to be disgusted by the number. I feel like they could figure out a way to make it happen. And yeah, and look, it, it, it's an it's an over the cap team. So like, what you know, it's it's not like you're saving cap space. Like, right. that's an asset they don't want to lose for nothing. So uh, they're gonna want to resign him. Is there a starting option out there somewhere for him? I don't think that's crazy. Like. I mean, I always thought he'd be an amazing fit in Golden State. I don't know. They don't have any money to spend, but if they could find a way, sign and trade some way to get him, I'm sure they'd be interested as an obvious kind of team. But I don't know. There might be a starting position out there. Maybe that's something that he wants, but the Knicks will be interested in keeping him. I just want to say one more thing, and then I'm going to have to run. I'm going to let DJ take over this whole party over here. Uh, But Spencer deserves more time on this question. So I'm going to just say one more thing about it. Jalen Brunson is not is, has not proven the ability to throw lobs. He does it maybe one out of every one every ten games. He'll hit Mitch on a lob. And that's really Mitch's only finishing option. Sometimes you can hit him with like a direct pass into his stomach on like a drop off pass, and he'll finish. But there isn't really much versatility, finishing versatility. 
what Jalen Brunson has shown the ability to do, and he's getting gaining more confidence in it, is hit Hartenstein with a pocket pass. Mm. And now this, like on a pick and roll. And now like this is obvious, but he's short, man. Like it's hard to find that lob when you when you're amongst the trees. It's much easier to hit a pocket pass when you can see the guy next to you. So like that's another element where you're pick and roll. All of a sudden, you can actually involve your center. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I think there's still room to grow there for Brunson in terms of throwing lobs, but it's probably never going to be a strength. RJ is the only one that ever throws it. So just another thing to think about in terms of your pick and roll attack and how more reversal you can be. You can hit high heart earlier on the pocket and he can either finish or make a pass. All right, DJ, my friend, this was a pleasure. This was a lot yes, of fun. Sir. Thank you all again. I'm going to let DJ take over. Um, you're in good hands. Peace. Later, buddy. All right, Andrew, what we got next? Ben Kim Gurvey, thank you so much for the question. At one point, does the lineup data overwhelmingly indicate I, uh, overwhelmingly indicating IQ should play starters minutes becomes so incredibly obvious, we act on it. So I will say, as someone who has been a bit of an IQ skeptic, especially um, starting him with Jalen, I am swayable in this area because as... Ben mentions the lineup data. Um, and I haven't looked recently at it, but clearly IQ and Brunson as a pairing, at least by the lineup data, works out as a positive unit or po- positive pairing. My issue is like, all right, how do you deal with some of the size concerns? Are there teams where you just can't play them? Like, I don't see a world where you play them against Boston against their size and it, and it work out. But I mean, you can, you can sway me and say, listen, quickly is good enough off the ball as a defender. And he provides enough offensively to where it is worth the, the attempt. The point is he should be playing more. And this is again, coming from someone who is not, uh, if I had to you know put myself on a scale of like the quickly stands and like the deniers, like I am sort of in the middle, maybe closer to the, the quickly stands, but certainly there are some things in his game that, that I have some concerns about, especially in the playoffs that he's, he's in, there's some questions he's going to have to answer, but listen, the fact that he's playing the amount of minutes he's playing, I don't know what the number is exactly, but it's in the twenties. It's not reasonable right now. He was fantastic against the Lakers uh, last night. Uh, he came in the game was um, the spark plug. He has been since he's put on a Knicks uniform. He changed the game. Um, I didn't love his defense at, at certain points, but listen, he provided a lot offensively, especially in that first half. And his shooting ability, while I think is a tad overrated, like you know, he's he has a great reputation as a shooter. I don't know if he is a. If you look at the numbers, you know, he doesn't necessarily rate as a, you know, an elite shooter, but he's a fantastic shooter. There are some concerns with like how he shoots, uh, you know, off movement. Um, he's really poor going to his left. He's really good going to his right, but that limits so, sort of like some you know ways to generate some offense um, for him. And then if you're playing with Jalen, you know how many pick and rolls is he going to be operating in? Because he's when you play a drop against quickly, and he can get a you know sort of an advantage initially in that. Uh, pick and roll defender is not getting over that screen is giving him a little bit of a, a space. He could walk into a three and he's very adept at that. So I don't know how many of those attempts he's going to get playing with Jalen playing with Julius. Um, 
but I will say he needs to play more. And I think that the minutes as you know, this was a concern coming into the year and it's borne out in terms of, uh, you know, too many mouths to feed, but listen, it's, he has definitely gotten the shaft, um, in terms of guys that are coming in from, you know, last year that have performed at the level. I mean, we know Grimes has not played as much, but to me, that is more performance-based quickly has performed really well as well as he's basically performed, um, his last uh, few years, maybe not quite the defender as he was last year during his six man of the year, uh, run, but he's, he's been really good and he needs to play more. And Ben is right. The line of data suggests that he should be playing more. And, and I don't, I don't know if there's going to be an increase. I hope there is. Um, it does beg the question, like, who is he taking minutes from? You know, RJ's probably a guy that you can consider if the performance continues to be uneven. But listen, the Knicks are going to have to, there is a threshold where you are going to get too small. And, you know, you take away RJ, who is, you know, your one wing sized, you know, wing in terms of like being 6'6 with a 6'10 wingspan and, you know, having the body type that he has. He is a physical wing that he is the only one they have. Josh Hart plays that role at times, but he's 6'4. And that's that's a problem. So you take you 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 put in quickly into this starting lineup. It, you are very small, and we know Tibbs is going to you know one of his you know things that he is going to always try to have is size on the floor, and he has a team that is not big. And other than the centers, especially when Mitch is healthy, um, you know they they're obviously like extremely long and agile at that spot. But beyond that, they are a relatively small team. So I think that plays into this a little bit because I think playing smaller is against sort of the ethos of what the head coach wants. But I don't think that's an excuse necessarily to um, not play him more. I think he needs to play, you know, what, you know, if you, if you think starters minutes is hitting that 30 minute threshold, I think that's completely reasonable, but you run into a math problem at that point in terms of like who you're taking from. And that's, that's the concern. But uh, then it's your the line of data is what it is, and if you and I know Tibbs has he has said the you know it's been reported. I think Fred Katz talked about that. He is a Tibbs looks at the lineup data and he really focuses on that. That is something that he will make decisions based on that. So um, let's see if that changes because quickly at this point uh, needs to be playing more. So we agree um, in that regard. So thank you so much, Ben. Andrew. Hey, so I'm just going to jump in because yes. I know you're under the weather and I'm just going to read a thing while you want to get water or you want to get some tea. Let me have a sip of tea. Yes. Yeah, thank you. why not? Just jumping on real quick. I'm, I'm obviously not one of the, the experts or part of that part of the show right now. But for those of you that are wondering what lineup data uh, he is referring to, if you look on the screen, this is good old cleaning the glass. This is a website a lot of us refer to when we were talking about lineup data. And this is the lineup data when Emmanuel quickly is on with Jalen Brunson. So that's a lot of orange. And what it shows is that in 619 possessions together, uh, Emmanuel Quickly and Jalen Brunson are plus 13.9, which is a very good number. The 96th percentile, they're good for 126.3 points per 100 possession, which is the 98th percentile, the top 3% of the league. And then if you're looking at the defense, they allow 112.5 points per 100 possession, which is the 72nd percentile in the league. 
So there's multiple lineups with uh, with iHeart and with Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. So one center. thing yeah. with either center, the one thing I will point out is just how elite it is when you go to Josh Hart because those first two lineups underneath both have Josh Hart at the three. And it's plus 20 when you go to Josh Hart, adding it wow. to it. Uh, and then these two lineups that they've been blitzing teams with that I've, I've brought up a lot on the post games lately. Plus 32 with Josh Hart at the three when it's I Hart at center and plus 28 when Mitch was around. So it's hard yeah. to argue it, right? I mean, it, he it's their best more. lineup. Those four yeah. are their best, their best combo. But it's specifically when you go IQ and Hart together, it's it's pretty great. And if for those that are curious, I'll just throw RJ in there and show you what it looks like. Um, because in case you, you we're just talking about IQ here, right? So let's talk about when RJ plays with it. Plus 25.7. So it's just as uh awesome. Now it's only 89 possessions, so we need a larger sample size probably to make a conclusion. But so far, 100th percentile in both on off or point differential and then points per hundred possession when you have Emmanuel quickly. Uh, Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, and a center on the court together. It's almost like quickly has a positive impact when he plays. You would think you would, <laughs> that's what this like proves. It mean, appears to be the conclusion from yes. this lineup data that Ben is referring to. Yes. So, um, okay, to, I'll give you two to, more. Okay. Yeah. He needs to play more. So, yes. Let's see if yeah, he can figure out how to, way to make that happen. So, here's, uh, a, here's yeah. a quick one. Here's a quick one. Whether you're, oh, I got to find it. Someone asked if you're interested in Nerlens Noel as a potential like emergency center you want to sign. <clears throat> Tim Smith asked that. I I am not Tim. Thank you so much for the question. I am. Uh, I didn't love the Nerlens exp- uh, experience after signing that extension with the Knicks. So a second full or first full year after um, the We Here season. Uh, yeah, listen, he's not a guy that relies so much on athleticism and. Um, leaping ability and it, you know, he's getting up there at age, a lot of injuries. I don't think he is. I'd rather just stick with Sims, figure out if you can tape Taj enough together to get him out there for a few minutes a night. But I, I don't think Nerlens is the answer, uh, Tim, unfortunately. Uh, I don't even know where Nerlens is right now. Is he playing somewhere? I, I, he is yeah. a, a free agent, an available free, free agent, if you'd like. Not for, not, not my cup of tea, Nerlens right now. And then last one, Sean with a W. Thank you so much for the uh, donation. That is a uh, really generous of you. Is it vital to match Jews minutes with powerful fours? Uh, yeah, I think that the one, and I will say this about Josh Hart. I feel like the four minutes with him has been, I wouldn't say a non-issue, but I, I don't think it's been a major concern of mine. But I will say, like, and I just saw. Funny enough, I saw this more with uh, Team USA because he played a lot of four for them against teams that had a lot more size, generally speaking. And I felt like he struggled a lot. So I, I do think that it, it is imperative if you're going to play against powerful fours um, to have Juke sort of matching minutes there. Um, I saw you if you watched the the Milwaukee uh, last Milwaukee game. I mean, Portis had at least two or three post-ups against Josh Hart and just sort of walked him down um, into the paint, righty jump hook, really no resistance. Uh, listen, he's 6'4". Josh Hart, it is, a, it is a concern, but I feel like against most teams, this is a completely reasonable decision to go with him as your, your nominal backup four. Um, I feel like against, you know, you add in his ability to move and transition 
uh, playing that four position, I feel like has been a value for this team as he has got himself back into the mix with some more rhythm. But yeah, there are going to be matchups where it is going to be an issue. Um, that is probably why against the Lakers with LeBron and AD that you saw Julius play as many minutes as he did. Um, they are big and strong, but they're also like one of the few teams that have that sort of physicality that can you know, put the pressure on you to to have Julius um, sort of matching in that way. But yeah, I think that Julius's ability, and you know, this is one of the things about Randall as a defender that it gets lost a little bit. Um, definitely a negative defender, but there's one thing about him is that it is very hard to post him up, and to you know, he is so big and so strong that he just takes things away off the table that you could do to him offensively. So that alone is, you know, sort of like sets the the floor of his defense a little higher than maybe you would think. Um, but yeah, there are going to be times where Josh Hart is just going to be too small. And that is something, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, some, you know, certain teams that is going to be uh, an issue as they uh, move forward. Um, but generally speaking, there are a lot of teams that play, you know, relatively small or have, sort of big wings playing uh, the four. You, you look at Toronto. I mean, they don't have a, you know, they have a bunch of like large wings, but not necessarily that bruising power forward that is going to take advantage of, of you in that way. So to me, um, it's obviously game to game. Um, it, you, you do have, and I talked about like having a threshold of size where if you put in quickly, like against certain teams, I feel like it gets a little tough. Um, Boston, I mentioned, um, against uh, you know, with Josh Hart, I think there's going to be times. Uh, Milwaukee's a good example where it's he's just going to be really small, and you're going to have to like figure out a way to to, to when the, in the non-Julius minutes to help him out. And if that means doubling the post, which Tibbs is, um, he is not one to do. Uh, you do that, but that is a rare occurrence uh, right now in terms of um, you know, ish guys, uh, teams that could take advantage of uh, Josh Hart as your backup four. Most teams do not have a a four as their as their backup that is going to take advantage of of Josh Hart in that way. And there was a, a couple of plays against the Lakers where Hashimura, who is a bigger wing, um, Hart did a really good job of getting underneath him. He used his his leg strength and his um, you know sort of like his ability to get lower and his center of gravity to make a a couple of uh, turnaround jump shots a little bit tougher. Got really into his body and and just made the looks harder. That's something he could do. And I feel like uh, the Hart. Um, performance this year, at, you know, since that sort of like airing of the you know concerns early in the season, he has been really good. Um, I'm really glad to have him on this roster. I feel like he is just a heady, smart, good ball player that makes everyone better, and he's a, he's a really good passer. Obviously, really good in transition, and when he shoots the ball when he's open, he's actually a really good. He's a pretty good shooter. Well, I don't want to say really good, but he's a pretty good shooter. He makes a decent amount of shots when he's got um, some time to to pull the trigger. Obviously the, the release is a little long and I think that plays into some of the, you know, um, the record scratching issues that he has been prone to have, but um, definitely uh, something to monitor against some teams is going to be something that, you know, the Knicks are going to have to figure out, but in the playoffs, Julius is playing 35, 38 minutes, probably closer to 38 minutes. So, you know, how much of an issue is this might not be that big of a deal. So, uh, but thank you, Sean. I really appreciate that uh, for the donation and great job on the post game with Andrew. Um, the other night, you guys stayed late um, into the next day to recap a thrilling <laughs> Knicks 
<laughs> victory in LA, but they are back on the East Coast, Andrew. So we can sort of catch our breath. Finally, yes. the Knicks will play a game and we will do a post game on the same day that yeah. that post game and that <laughs> game takes place. Yes. Good for you because uh, yeah. you've been pulling the the late hours. So I, I we definitely appreciate you doing this because it is it's a lot, but you love it and you've been just fantastic doing it. So and shout out to everybody that stayed up late with us. That was yeah. it's it's even better when it's not just me doing it and you have, you know, a couple hundred of your your closest friends staying up late so thank you to everybody that stayed up late specifically yeah. with me and sean after the laker game yeah. um especially the best part was our last super chat was from cp the franchise and mm-hmm. he threw in a football question and <laughs> if if sean didn't have the wherewithal to be like we should stop we probably would still be talking about <laughs> whether eli manning is a hall of favor or not but thank you Ooh, everybody i like that topic maybe for for the off season we can get there you that. go for the off season there you <laughs> go. thank you so much for everyone for uh, tuning in uh please like this video subscribe to our channel that really helps us um, get the word out and get boosted. And, uh, you know, really trying to build a great thing here and your, your uh, likes, your, uh, you sharing this, it really goes a long way. And if you're listening on the KFS podcast feed later, please leave a five star rating and review. That is just, uh, that goes a long way. So we really appreciate everyone for the questions, um, for the donations. It was a, they really, it was really fun doing this and thank you to Benji. I know he had a run, but always great to kind of like break down this, this fun team with him as much as we, we do. And thank you, Andrew, for uh, helping us out and, and being there uh, with us and providing the stats and, and the ones and twos as you are so great at doing and everyone else have a great holiday. If I don't talk to you and um, if you celebrate everything, just enjoy it. Um, have some good family time and enjoy this Knicks team. It's a good team. It's a fun team. Enjoy it. Later, everyone.